This is the Hot Take Hockey Podcast with your hosts, Lucas and John Viveros. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hot Take Hockey Podcast, episode 29. We've got an absolute legendary TSN broadcaster. He's been with TSN for over 25 years, Farhan Lalji. We're so excited to chat with him. Uh, you've probably seen him through CFL coverage, a lot of Canucks chat. I know he does some stuff with uh, the VanCast podcast, so you can hear from him on his Vancouver Canucks thoughts through that. Uh, Farhan, uh, how are you doing, man? Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, John Lucas, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it should be fun. I've, I've heard so much about this podcast from Duthie, so uh, I'm, I'm actually nervous, if you can imagine. <laughs> I, I can't imagine, Farhan. I've seen you. I've seen you on the broadcast. I've seen you on my TV for quite a while. So um, you've definitely been one of the big names. Lucas and I were talking about it, and we've got a lot of friends that are big fans of you. So uh, we were really excited to get you on. Um, I think, yeah, our our conversations here, I think, will go in a few different directions, but just. First and foremost, um, I, I started about a year ago. Uh, you talked about 25 years at TSN. So just overall, uh, your experiences through broadcasting sports um, and just overall, I, I know you have a family now. So just work in family balance. Like, how has it been the last 25 years? Like, overall, how do you look back on it and just going forward as well? Wow, 25 years. You know, that's the it's thinking back. It just feels like yesterday when I was breaking down the door, trying to find a way to get a job at TSN, you know, and uh I remember getting uh, getting offered sitting in the Western Bayshore Hotel, and my good friend Mike Day, who's no longer with the company, was vice president at the time or, or a senior producer for news and information, and um, he offered me a job. And it was kind of uh, what had happened at the time was from '97 to '99, uh, we had what was called the Western Broadcast Center. So I don't know if you recall way back then, you probably weren't even born, but we had we had Sports Desk now Sports Center was co-hosted the late show we had a host in vancouver and a host in toronto so we were expanding you know beyond just one bureau like we currently have in vancouver and every other city and um so we you know we had a few other people dave randorf david pratt and a couple of others and uh so i had kind of a job that was half off air production and half on air uh, as a reporter and even as a fill-in host and then uh, i you know i joke all the time with with mike keenan or actually i haven't seen him in a while but back when i used to visit with him that he's the reason I got a full-time job because when he was with the Canucks and we're kind of revisiting that time, I don't know if you've uh, checked out Scott Rintoul's West Coast Express podcast. It's really good. It's like a docupod of the Canucks during the West Coast Express era. And, you know, there's an episode about Mike Keenan and it was like taking me back in time where Keenan every day was like training somebody like, you know, new guy coming into practice, new guy playing in a game. Like it was just so volatile. And Mike was out here for a week and he said, this is crazy. We got to make you full-time on air. So that was good. So I, I always tell Mike that he's the reason I'm a full-time on-air guy instead of you know, juggling back and forth between production and on-air. And from there, it just kind of took off. And my job has really morphed over the years, right? Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've had a chance to cover five Olympic Games. I've covered so many NBA events back when the Grizzlies were here and, uh, you know, the finals and the drafts and, and everything. And, you know, I've done Major League Baseball and golf majors. And so I've, I've kind of run the gamut. But, you know, in the last five maybe seven years things have kind of changed a little bit for me where it's it's gone more into the football space and from a hockey perspective you know back when we used to have the national rights i i would do games across the country and be involved in playoff coverage but once that left then i was able to kind of really hone in on just the canucks uh, and then more football which is which is what i want like i love both sports you know i love all sports but i'm a football guy first you know i'm not i can't deny that and you know, I've, I've followed the Canucks as a fan when I was young and then covered them since 1994 when I first got into the media. So just to be able to do that and not have to necessarily pay attention to what's going on in the Eastern Conference or, yeah, I know you guys are 
into the Leafs, I don't give a damn. Sorry to say. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, no, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the Toronto versus Vancouver. I don't want to have to get into all of that, right? So yeah. just to be able to lock into the connection that all things NFL, <laughs> CFL, NCAA, and football is, is my wheelhouse. So the job has morphed kind of into what I've wanted, and, and I really enjoy every minute of it still. Yeah, awesome. I mean, Farhan, I wanted to ask you, like, rolling the clock back even further to, to before you started, you know, in this business and in this career uh, on this yeah. path that you're on, like, what was that growing up like in terms of where were your passions um, and, and in sports? Like, were you pulled to football more so like what you're speaking to now? Was it was it hockey? Was it a combination? How did you get into sort of uh, a sports as well? Well, you know, I, I played everything, right? And I actually yep. talked about this the other day uh, um, at the Sport BC Awards night that, you know, when when you come in as an immigrant kid, and I came here, I was four years old, it was 50 years ago, right? So uh, I don't remember being four, but I, I know that as a, as a real youngster, my earliest memories of life in Canada involved sport. Yep. And I was like, I was not just into going out and playing like I was that dorky kid that would go out and organize leagues with my friends who were at different schools and different places just so we could have you know more meaning associated with the activity and it wasn't just kicking the ball around I wanted to keep score I wanted to win you know and I and I played organized sport as a kid growing up and you know immigrant family you play soccer because that's what your parents know right and I'm trying to get them to let me play hockey and they're like what is this you know this is cold it's early in the morning it's expensive you know and eventually by the time I let them convince me to play hockey, I was in the sixth grade, which even then felt like late, you know, to, to get any good at it. And, um, and I think I had a gravitation of football because not many other kids did it where I was, where I was. So, you know, I, I kind of felt like I was naturally good at it at an early age. So I gravitated to it more and everybody else was in other things and I wanted to be different. So I kind of got into that a bit more. And, and, but, you know, like I said, growing up, I had a chance to play everything. And, um, the one thing for me is that I just never wanted to leave sport. And and that's for me is uh, yeah, I went from playing everything as a kid growing up to eventually playing football in high school and then deciding to get into coaching. And then I coached football, you know, shortly after, like I played junior football in my uh, late teens, early 20s, and then started coaching at the same time and then kept going with that and then got involved with different groups in a leadership capacity and you know and then obviously uh i was a sports information director at three years for simon fraser university before you know getting my first radio job which went into tv so sport has been that thread that has gone through my entire life and i haven't wanted to leave it for whatever reason so uh you know the passion for it is it, it just never ends and now my son and my daughter are in it you know my my son is playing he played everything right he played he played football, hockey, basketball, and track. Like last year, we did all of it. And now he's wow. just kind of locked into football and track. Um, you know, he played at Burnaby Winter Club and did all of these things. So, I, I, you know, I was a minor hockey dad for 10 years. And, you know, now my daughter is getting into – she's been riding horses forever. But now she's getting into basketball and volleyball and wants to join gymnastics and, and cross country. And I'm like, yes, 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 right? <laughs> trying to find every way to kind of facilitate that. So – so it's been cool. You know, my wife was a competitive swimmer growing up and wow. in, in the football program I coached, she you know, played a really active role. So just it, it's just been around me my entire life and I don't want it to stop. Wow. No, that's awesome. And I, I, I do want to get to the point where I'm asking you about like overall, because you're talking about teaching and coaching and I know, I know specifically with your kids, but uh, more so I've talked to a lot of people in the industry that go, yeah, after towards the end of my career, like I could see public speaking or being a professor. Like I know a lot of people that have been in the industry, yep. like in the sport media program in Toronto, like that's people that have been in the broadcasting industry that 
want to teach, that want to be a professor, that want to uh, just public speak in general. So uh, that's huge. I also want to give Farhan a huge shout because he was actually willing to uh, do this podcast from his uh, son's track meet. So Farhan, I, I appreciate the commitment and just uh, being a little flexible with us. I know we got you here on, on Saturday, but uh, that's people got to share Farhan some love because that's that's some real big place right there. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry I didn't let you know in advance. <laughs> no, it's okay. The, I told Lucas, I was like, the fact that you're willing to do that, I was like, man, Farhan's oh, yeah. a legend. I can't wait to chat with him. Um, no, yeah, I felt bad. It took so long to, to connect and, and usually... You know, I'm usually, uh, I can squeeze in a little bit more time. You know, e evenings tend to be tougher for me because um, my, my son trains um, in Bellevue, which is just outside of Seattle. Yeah. So we drive down there three, four days a week, right? And it's in wow. the evening. So uh, it, it's tough. So usually when I can squeeze these in, it, it winds up having to be a little bit earlier in the day. So, uh, so yeah, you, you, you got to find a way wherever you are to do it. Having a kid run track in the background, that's okay. That's fun. That's good. That's good background instead of, you know, all these things and yeah. trinkets. Right. <laughs> so next time, next time we'll have to do yeah. it. From uh, there. I, yeah. I love that. Um, so yeah, so overall kind of, so I do want to touch on CFL a little bit with you, but so overall sure. kind of going forward, uh, do you have some, I know some people I talk to, they, they don't want to set goals. Uh, some people just kind of go on the fly. Are you a goal oriented person? Like, do you have still in for yourself goals that you want to set or things that you want to accomplish going forward in your career? Yeah, they're not necessarily career driven, though, right? I mean, they're they're life driven, and there are other yeah. things that I want to do. I, I don't want to stop learning, right? I, I think that um, th there's some coursework and things like that that I'd like to take uh, in some other areas, right? I mean, <laughs> this industry, the way it evolves and and revolves, you kind of got to yeah. be ready for the next step, right? Yep. So, uh, you know, I'm do like more podcast things, but I actually wouldn't mind looking at some other things outside of broadcasting. Not that I want to leave anytime soon, but feels like most people kind of don't retire completely, right? They always have sort of a side hustle and something else going on. And um, so there are other things that I want to get into that, that aren't necessarily in the sports space. But, you know, things that you talked about, like uh, whether it become involves becoming an instructor or whatever, like those are things that would totally interest me, right? I mean, I, I've spent a lifetime of teaching and coaching and, uh, and communicating and public speaking and those types of things. I, I would like to get into a few of those, but, uh, you know, those are all connected to my job and career. Yeah. So I... I kind of feel like, you know, I'm 54. I don't want to stop learning. I don't want to stop evolving. So, uh, and I don't want all of that evolution to be tied to sports, even though I always want to have it in my life. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think that um, I, I need to put my brain in other places from time to time beyond the field of play. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's really good. I feel like, yeah, that's the, the common, like, trend, I would say. I, I feel like when a lot of people uh, go through so much experience, like for ourselves, like bring you on the podcast. Like I feel like Farhan, I'd want to talk with you for hours and pull so much uh, and pick from your brain because uh, we're just kind of like Lucas works for the NHL. Like I'm trying to get into certain broadcasting things. So um, just picking different people's brains on anything that can uh, anything we can pick up. Um, but yeah, I think at some point here, we do got to get to maybe some hockey chat and, and some, cause I, the Canucks, Farhan. I, I do want to. I do want to talk about the Canucks here. So Luke Shen, uh, Lucas, we'll get to it. He just, yeah. Lucas has been a big Luke Shen guy uh, from day one, and uh, and my son's name is Lucas too. Just so oh, you know, awesome. There, there we go. go. The full there connection right there. It's Huge part of Luke the, Shen. Part of the group. Yep. Huge yep. Luke Shen guys. Uh, but overall with the Canucks, because Farhan, I, I got to say, and we've had a couple of guests, but when we think about Vancouver people, when we think about West, we're thinking Farhan Lalji. So we want your thoughts here. Um, for probably what Lucas, a good month or two. Every episode of the podcast, the first 10, 20 minutes was on the Canucks, I think. Yeah, I felt like we were, you know, a Toronto-based podcast. We were talking about the Canucks 
a yeah. lot more than the Leafs all throughout the season. For all the wrong reasons. Yeah, for not the right reasons this year, for sure. And, and I've talked about it. Like, I have quite a few friends that are Canucks fr- uh, fans and a lot of friends yeah. that I have from BC. So, uh, for me, it was more so, like, not even, like, I was more so just, like, trying to be a Canucks fan. Like, I was trying to put myself in the perspective, like, just overall the frustration and overall just the misdirection. Um, so, for yourself, like, through everything, I, I've, I've heard your thoughts on TV and on the pod. Um, but for all the listeners, like what have your thoughts been through the whole process? And uh, I feel like we're kind of going through the same thing as last year, like Boudreaux coming in and like this short spurt of like positive, but like, I feel like this year's the wrong year to do it uh, with talk it. But what are your overall thoughts on everything that's happened? Yeah. I mean, it does feel like groundhog day, right? Uh, when, when you look at how the coaching changes have gone down the last couple of years and really this is the, I don't want to say culmination, cause I don't know if we're even close to being finished it, but this is just, Part of what happens when you decide you want to take shortcuts as an organization, right? And yeah. they haven't wanted to rebuild. It's been just throwing good money after bad. And, you know, you, you go back to 2016 and some of the dollars that got thrown around, you know, in the Louis Erickson deal. And, you know, that, that year, like I said, 16, when they, when they had those four signings where they're giving guys three and four year term that they're getting nowhere else, but they can find a way to get it in Vancouver. And we got to make the playoffs this year. We got to make the playoffs this year. And there's just, no forward thinking. You know, when Jim Benning slipped and said, we just go day to day, it said so much. And I think we all felt um, the media in this market, the fans in this market saying, okay, well, now Jim Rutherford's here and you got a guy with a Stanley Cup resume and he's done this for three different teams and, you know, kind of knows what needs to be done and has the respect around the league and the chops to execute what Jim Benning couldn't. And now here we are again with a short-term rebuild and a retool and the messaging is so so simple or so similar, right? I mean, I remember Jim Benning saying that you know, we've got a real lack of players in the organization that are in their early 20s because when the 2011 era team and Mike Gillis was chasing a Stanley Cup, they gave away all these uh, high draft picks and they drafted so low. And so now we don't have a prospect pool. So we don't want to build a prospect pool. We want to kind of get guys that maybe have been through that and can help us a little sooner in their early 20s. And what are they doing now? Right? Here we are again. So I think that's frustrating for the fan base. And now you've seen what Rick Tockett has done and uh, they've kind of had some predictable success, right? I mean, we knew mm-hmm. that the schedule at the end of the year was going to be soft yeah. and that they were going to have a bit of a bump, right? A, from the new coach, B, from a soft schedule, and C, from Thatcher Demko coming back. So, you know, people wonder if this can be sustained and and um, allow them to vault into next year. Well, it didn't work last year, right? The bubble didn't work for the next year, right? So uh, I do think that there's some positives in terms of how their, their structure is developed, right? And they're a little more committed to playing 200 foot games and being connected, you know, between forward and D uh, whether they have the puck or not. Like there, there have been some encouraging signs, but for me, talk to me next November, right? Like if you're, if you're a fan coming and saying, well, is this going to carry? I don't know. Right. I I have no idea. I'm kind of 20% bought in because I, you know, I do know that talking to details coach, but you know, at at the same time, I, I don't know that this roster is going to be set up for any level of sustainable success. We'll see if they could do, this offseason, what they couldn't last offseason, and that's clear money, right? I mean, I think we all expect Oliver Ekman Larson to get bought out and, you know, maybe one of Besser or Garland gets traded and they can they can clear some space that way, maybe. But you know they're going to spend it quick because they're in a hurry to get in the playoffs, right? Yep. That's what message. Uh. That's the message coming down from ownership. So I just don't think they're building anything sustainable. Would I enjoy just covering playoffs again? Sure I would. It's been a minute, you know, I – like I was able to go cover it in the bubble, but most people never got that luxury, right? So, um, I think I think the playoffs are fun. You know, I, I love in Vancouver just the vibe down at Rogers Arena, and and you know they have this area out here called 
Scott Road, which is right between Surrey and Delta, and they have mm -hmm. Scott Road cellies. And, you know, once you get into the end of the first round of the playoffs, after every game, there's mini parades and celebrations after every win. And all that stuff is cool, and you want to be a part of it and all of that. But I'd love to, having covered every game of that 2011 team and, and the build-up to it, I, I want to see something that looks like that. Yeah. 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 It's it's tough. And I feel like, John, we've touched on it. Um and Farhan really brought it up right there. Like when he hit the nail on the head when he talked about when when Jim Rutherford came in. Oh. I relate it so much to the 2008 Leafs when they bring in Brian Burke, guy with pedigree, guy with experience. All right, they're going to do it the right way. He's going to make the proper deal, sign the right guys. It, it never felt like they were he was going to strip down like to the nuts yeah. and bolts or anything like that. But you felt that this was the turning point right here, and uh, it, it took a while for you know obviously post Brian Burke and post Dave Nonis and and so on to just realize that you need to just strip it down and go for the full rebuild, rebuild right? If, if you yeah. have a team that's kind of middle of the pack like they are, it, I, it's just amazing to me that they won't uh, accept well, and, that. But I, well, yeah. Lucas, yeah, it's hockey hell. We've talked about it so yeah. many times. Like finishing in that 9 to 11 yeah. place in the conference is, is like the worst. And I feel like the Canucks are in that, that spot right now. And more so, I like what you said, Farhan, because it's like when you're in a job interview or a press conference or whatever, it's like people like, where do you see yourself five years from now? Where do you see yourself three years from now or one year from now? And it's like, no, the Canucks just want like things to get better tomorrow. And that's just, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not it. Um, no, and well, I and a rebuild, just, a, a yeah. full rebuild doesn't mean you get rid of Pedersen, Demko and Hughes, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. It just kind of means everything else. Yeah, uh, and that doesn't mean you've got to go through five years of pain, but you can kind of make some moves and um, turn it around in a more sustainable way in two or to three years. If you're yeah. not so obsessed with getting into the playoffs next year, but that's what this ownership group wants, and that's what this management group's going to execute. Well, and I'm sure Canucks fans are happy that Kuzmenko didn't get tossed away for a second because I saw that around Twitter. I was like, hey, let's relax yeah. for a second. Outside of that, I mean, there was moves that probably should have been made. Um, for your perspective, in terms of because like just when I said about two, three year timelines or whatever it is, is like Connor Bedard hasn't been a secret. And Farron, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. And um, obviously there's been so many like Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, like there's been big names the last decade, but like Connor Bedard here, a BC guy, like I feel like it hasn't been a secret. Like I've seen different interviews and different like media stuff, even from the Regina uh, Pats is like, this guy is a Canucks guy. Like he, he he's a Canucks fan. Mm -hmm. Like he, he likes the Canucks. Like the, Lucas, I think we joked about it. It's like the Pats were doing a video at the start of the year, getting all the players to answer, like, who's your cup pick? And all the guys are saying, like, Colorado, Tampa, like, all these teams. And then Bedard says Vancouver, like Canucks, yeah. right? And I just, like, so there hasn't this hasn't been a secret. And the Canucks had an opportunity this year where it's, like, before coming bringing in Talkit, you had, what, like, a top six, top seven percentage? Like, solid. And if you made a couple deals, maybe rested Demko for the year and did just, like, simple things there wasn't like this big change needed you just let Boudreaux I, well Boudreaux that was the worst secret in hockey how the, the search was going but Farron what are your thoughts on that like not even just like the quick fix but like having something like Connor Bedard right in front of your face and still going against the grain of like just shut down the season Let, let's see what happens yeah you know at the end of the day um going for the number one pick um doesn't always work. Doesn't often work, right? I mean, in reality, because you're you're not guaranteed. It's not like you get a ninety percent chance yeah. of getting that pick. Of course, right? It becomes hard the way the lottery is set up. So you go through all of that, and then you don't get him. Now, for me, I think some of the things you talked about were prudent, but that's because this entire draft class is so incredible. Yeah, and there seems to be a you know, there's Bedard, then there's the top five, and then there's kind of still good players after that. But there is a bit of a gap between five and six. Um, 
from from everything I've read and heard. So just to give yourself a chance to get somebody in the top five could mean a roster player next year, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you need a two to three year uh, marination period of that player in the minors, right? So um, I I think you just if if you adopted that strategy, you put yourself in a position to get a really, really good player. And if you get Bedard, great, right? But if the Canucks had finished 27th versus, uh, or 28th, let's say, that would give you put you in the bottom five versus 24th, where they're probably going to wind up, it's not a massive percentage difference in terms of how it's going to go for the number one overall pick. But it is a big percentage difference for what it looks like in the top five. And how, you know, with Canuck luck, you know they're going to lose a spot, right? Yeah. So if you can finish fourth last, you could still get the fifth last pick or the fifth overall pick. And, you know, you, you're more likely to, to go that way. And that's still a real positive thing. So, um, you know, the Demko thing, it, it's tough because I think the fact that he's being able to regain his form this season is really going to help him next season because for, sure. for him, so much of it is mental, right? Mm-hmm. And once you've kind of made the decision that you weren't going to trade him, right, which if this is a retool, you shouldn't trade him. He's the one efficient contract they've got, right? Like it is a really good deal for a team looking for a quick turnaround, right? For any team, it's a really good deal. So um, it, once you decide that you're not going to make that move, then you probably want to try to rebuild his value. Or not his value. You want to rebuild his confidence a little bit. Now, did he need to come back this early or could he come back for the last 10 games, right? Uh, it certainly doesn't look like they're pushing Philip Roenick real hard to get back in the lineup, right? So hopefully that takes a long time and that helps because – we certainly believe he's got the ability to allow this team to possess the puck and transition the puck much better than they are when Quinn Hughes isn't on the ice. So, you know, but ultimately they, they haven't, there's not been a lot of other moves they could have made. They're out of recalls now, right? Yeah. So, you know, I said, hey, you know, could you get you know, uh, Rathbone up here with a more structured look with the coaching staff and maybe we can see if he's better than he was earlier in the year when they were playing you know, pond hockey, essentially. And, you know, could we see Nils Hoaglander, right? But, you know, there's restrictions around him. Like, they can't recall him at this stage unless it's an emergency. And if they bring him up for two more games, then he's got to go through waivers to, to go back and forth again. So there are circumstances around it. But for the most part, I mean, they got three American League defenders on their blue line, right? I mean, they, they haven't got Kravtsov here, Pod Colson's here. I'd love to see them get more minutes. But um, I'm not going to quibble too much with how they've deployed their roster just because I think their options have been somewhat limited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Farhan, let's also talk about just like some positives from the Canucks. I, I, I don't want to sure. all be doom and gloom. I yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Mako, like you said, Johnny, like I can't believe I, I thought he was going to be super talented this year and he was going to really emerge, but I didn't, I didn't see this. I didn't see close to 40 goal potential like first year. Um, you got, you got to give that some props. And obviously Elias Pettersson is having a crazy good and I feel like underrated year. Like people aren't talking about what he's doing uh, from an offensive standpoint, at least. Especially with everything that's happened with the Canucks. Yeah, right? Uh, So with those guys sort of being, you know, two pieces that we're going to bring, you know, the Canucks are going to bring back next season and sort of retool around them, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko. um, You know, how do you see, do you see those like four players as as key guys to, to build around for Vancouver in the next, you know, the next phase of this team? Yeah, I mean, Kuzmenko uh, has exceeded everybody's expectations. He's been incredible. I don't know that he's still, because of his age, I'm not sure he's necessarily a long-term piece, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to have him for two years at a good number, and, and he's going to bet on himself. And it's been great watching him play. They need a natural goal scorer. They, you know, he seems to have been the perfect fit. And um, Pedersen has been incredible. And I know that 
everybody wants to save receipts from last year when people were critical of him. And, you know, I can't believe people wanted to trade this guy. And for me personally, I was very critical of Pedersen last year. And I never suggested they should trade him. I did wonder, like I always felt, yeah, the guy's going to be a first-line player, but is he ever going to be a top-10 player in this league or a top-5 player in this league, which after his rookie year, I fully expected him to do. But, you know, as, as they say, like, you know, progression's not always linear. You're going to go through some ups mm-hmm. and downs, and he went through a down last year. And so now people are just saying, how could anybody ever suggest this? Well, he deserved to be criticized. And, and for me, it wasn't that he wasn't scoring. It's just that he wasn't playing with the level of confidence that we had seen him play before. He wasn't attempting to be as creative and dynamic with the puck as he had been previously. So everybody wanted to just single it out and say it's his wrist. Well, it wasn't that because if we were just talking about his shot, you could isolate it to that. His yeah. faults were greater. But the reason why Pedersen is playing this well is he didn't give himself a pass. You know, mm. he saved his own receipt from that perspective, right? Like he just said, no, this isn't good enough. Don't make excuses for me because I'm not making them for myself. And he he showed some maturity, uh, you know, in terms of off ice and just what he was going to prioritize and all of that. And we're seeing the results of it now. And hopefully, um, hopefully he signs long term, right? Because I know yeah. that as the season has progressed, there's been debate about what that was going to look like and whether or not he wanted to move on. And I'm not saying he does, but I, I fully hope that they give him the C and get him signed to a long term extension this off season because one of Jim Benning's many mistakes was giving him a three-year deal instead of finding a way to get him a six-year deal or longer the last time, right? Because now it's going to cost the Canucks a lot more. A lot more. But, but you know what? He's earned it, and he's not going anywhere, yeah. right? Barring injury, he's not going anywhere. His game is going to continue to climb and ascend. And, you know, I, I just – I love the way he sees the game and thinks the game, uh, let alone plays the game. So, uh, you know, it, he's he's been great to watch. He's now back on that trajectory I saw from the first year, right? And even then, like, he would – get annoyed at all of us for suggesting that he needed to get stronger right and maybe he wore down because he just wasn't strong enough and he would dismiss that you know with the media but when he went back home you find out after the fact that those things were the single biggest focus of his training he knew that that was real and he needed to improve on those areas and he's doing that so it's, it's good to watch yeah, I feel like Pedersen on ice, like at different times, I feel like I've seen uh, lists are lists, but at, at times like conversation of like, is he the top five, top six, top center, like in the league? And uh, I feel like last year it was like, I'm seeing these top 20 lists, like Pedersen's not on it. So I don't know. I, Pedersen's that interesting one for me where I feel like even just whether it was later in hockey or just kind of his development, I feel like he's always shown uh, the tools and, and like at times like the IQ, like some of the creation he has on the ice is just is up there with the best in the league. Um, we, we touched on Luke Shen earlier, Farhan, and, and just you said great, great <laughs> guy. guy. Yeah, your guy. Um, some players maybe that you've interacted with, like Luke Shen won, but uh, maybe through the Canucks or through CFL. Like uh, I also want to touch on with maybe your, your favorite day to work, but like who are, have like who have been some of your favorite players to interact with? Well, in terms of recent history, um, you know, I, I wasn't lying when I said on Trade Center that if you're a good guy, the Canucks let you go, right? So it started with Bruce Boudreaux, it went to Bo Horvat, and then yeah. Luke Shen, you know, and then Curtis Lazar, right? And uh, Luke was like, I for the time that we've had him in two stints, I love the guy, right? Like he's just a good human being, and you know, people say that oh, it's because he's good with the media that you like a guy, and I'm like, it's not that, right? It's for me, I could give a damn about the Canucks, but I love Vancouver. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you have guys that um, 
represent the brand really well, are super in the community and with kids and do all of these types of things. I really appreciate those guys. They matter more to me than the player that might be elite if he's not going to do all those other things. And I think, you know, growing up when, when Pat Quinn was in charge and instilled that, that that was a real priority for this brand and other people carried that forward and really from the leadership group, you know, whether it be the Trevor Lindens or the Marcus Naslins or the Sedins, um, those things matter to me. So, you know, Luke's great. You know, we used to have a lot of laughs. There was one time I, I came in like literally a minute late to a scrum and somebody was holding the, our TSN mic flash before I got in. And rather than pick, rather than grab it from them, I just let them hold it. And I just proceeded to ask questions. And Luke looked at me, he's like, what are you too big to hold your own mic? Right? <laughs> and, you know, and, and we would, we had a lot of fun off camera, just interacting. So I hated seeing him go from that perspective, but he was also a productive player. And I know they're talking about bringing him back this summer. I don't think in the end that'll work itself out just because of what some of these young blue liners have shown and yeah. you want to create opportunities, which is, which is good. But I like people that are, Look, I'm 54, man. I don't want to deal with a young 20-year-old punk. Yeah, I hate yeah. saying that, right? So maybe I'm grizzled, but I, I don't want to deal with that, right? I don't want to deal with this guy that's got attitude that's too cool for school. Um, dealing with the Sedins was a blessing, right? They were as awesome a pair of individuals. Like in terms of people that I've covered in any sport in 25 years, really 28 going back to my days in, in radio to start, I have never come across two people as wonderful as the Sedins. Like wow. they are fantastic human beings. They were great leaders, great players. It's great the organization still has them involved in a meaningful capacity. Um, and that's the impression you want to strive to leave, right? You know, um, I think their second last home game, my son got a chance to take part in the dreamscape. You know, that one kid that comes on the ice when the players do the lap yep. before the yep. anthem. So he got to do that. And I've got a picture of him between um, like Alex Sedler and the twins, you know, kind of wow, on either side of that's them. That's so cool. And um, and it is. And and I said to him, you know, at the time that, you know, no matter how things go for you in sports or life, like these are the two types of people, like these guys, that's who you want to be like, right? Just incredible people, incredible ambassadors. Uh, wherever they go, they leave the place better than they arrived. And certainly they did that with this, with this franchise, even though it didn't look like that when they left, right? Because things kind of fell off a cliff. But, uh, you know, they made an indelible um, imprint. And why is it so hard for a good player to be a good guy? Why is that yeah. hard? Why are those things mutually exclusive? Do you think that you you lose your edge if all of a sudden you treat people, including the media, with a level of respect? Because nobody, you know, I enjoy covering a better team than a bad team, right? Like the 2011 era to cover was fantastic. And right now, this might be the worst time I've ever had in my job in terms of enjoyable, you know, coming to cover the hockey team like it sucks to cover that team right mm -hmm. they're not it's not a good group to be around you know i mean it's getting better as they're getting a little more successful but it was toxic for a period of time to go into that room it wasn't fun to be around it the narratives from how bruce got treated everything in the beginning it wasn't fun and i work in a make-believe world right what i do this isn't real i'm not dealing with the ukraine war what i'm dealing with this is make-believe mm -hmm. so you know, to come in and, and just have all that level of negativity, nobody wants that. You think I want to cover negativity? You think I want to be negative, right? So it, it is okay to, to treat people well. And, you know, you, when you talk about Luke Shen, um, he's right at the top of the list. And in terms of people that I've covered, it, it doesn't get better than Daniel and Henrik, right? And, and losing Bo Hurt in that regard, losing, you know, like just there's been so many good ones that when they leave, you, you feel it, right? Um, 
but uh, Luke Shen definitely um, a, a guy. Just enjoy talking to whether the camera's on or off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I've heard a lot of great things about the city. Sorry, Lucas. Yeah. No, I was going to say, hopefully he doesn't uh, come back west. I hope he stays out east here with, <laughs> uh, with the Leafs and continues his career here. But we'll see how it goes. It feels like everyone the Leafs have acquired, uh, the team is rumored to bring them back. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. But but that's a good bright spot for Vancouver, that they had him there you know, through this tumultuous time. Um, I assume he was like really, really valuable to that. And you could, it was telling from Quinn Hughes's reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. And him and Quinn Hughes's relationship and on and off the ice. I mean, yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear those stories. Farhan, just going into next season, as far as expectations, I think it's going to be better for Vancouver that the expectations obviously are going to come down from, from what they were going into this year. Right. Um, I feel like it's safe to say that. I mean, we we never know with these big markets, but (laughs) I think it's safe to say that. Uh, So going into next season, um, what do you think is is a successful season for Rick Tockett's first full year and, and moving into um, you know that new chapter for for the Canucks? Yeah, honestly, Lucas, I'm not convinced that they are going to be lower, and I say that just because the the organization wants them to stay high, so they're yeah. talking about playoffs. So anything less than that's going to be failure, right? And you can't predict health, right? Uh, Demko gets hurt again, Hughes gets hurt again. Like you can't predict that, but based on what this roster looks like on paper. Um, you know, the, the Canucks metrics, like their two-way metrics with Quinn Hughes on the ice are that of a playoff team. Uh, if Philip Rona can bring even half of that onto a second pair, um, their defense should be significantly upgraded. Ilya Mikheyev potentially gets healthy. Uh, you know, who knows if they clear some space and they can add one more piece. Uh, the the goal for this team is going to be in the, to get into the playoffs, and that's what is going to deem it a success. And I'm having this debate with guys uh, I podcast with on The Athletic, Thomas Drance and, and Harmon Dial, and they just want to keep hammering home, rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore because they've said they're not going to do that. So I don't want to grade every move they make in the prism of a rebuild because that's not what they're trying to do. They want to retool. They expect to be in the playoffs that next year. So for me, I'm going to gauge the first 20 games based on do they fall off a cliff like they have the last couple of years or are they going to put themselves in position to stay in contention and not chase all year? We know this team's not going to win the cup, but next year – if they're healthy, they should have a playoff roster. And that's what is the, the goal that they've set. So anything short of that is going to be a failure, right, for, for Rick Tockett and the entire organization. So, uh, And that was the thought this year, right? I mean, Jim Rutherford said at the beginning of the year, if we don't get in the playoffs, we're going to be disappointed. Bruce Boudreaux said, if we don't get in the playoffs, we're going to be disappointed. So that's going to continue to be the measuring stick. And until they get there, we can't set the bar any higher. Yeah, I, I think – and I, I think this goes for a lot of fan bases. Like, I think what you said, uh, Farhan, about, like, fantasy, like, I think the realism versus, like, the fantasy, I, I feel like it's more so just, like, a coping mechanism. Like, oh, the Canucks could do this, the Canucks will do that, the Canucks will do that. But, yeah, I mean, it's right in front of us. They've made it very clear that this is a retool. This is an on-the-fly. And, obviously, through the press conference, I think Rutherford slipped up more than a couple times. So, um, yeah. which there was truth to it, but... Uh, yeah, just to, to kind of close out, um, what are you excited about going? I know you were talking about life stuff, but just in terms of like the CFL season, uh, what are you looking forward to cover? And I know I touched on it before, like what's your favorite day to cover just in sports in general? You know, it's a good question because for so many people, it lines up with, um, you know, free agent frenzy for if you're a hockey fan of the trade deadline and those aren't mine. Right. Um, you know, I probably like, Favorite sport, to, favorite thing to cover, like in terms of a day. Yeah, like it could be college a day. Fo- it college could be football, an event. college football yeah. playoff. Oh, there you go. College football playoff, right? When when the two national semifinals happen, uh, I always look forward to those New Year's 
New Year's Day when when the big bowl games are on, right? I'm kind of a college football junkie, so I enjoy that. You, you know, go. a wild card weekend for the playoffs in the NFL is is fun. Uh, Labor Day for the CFL, right? Uh, when you've got the games that are going on that weekend, and they say that you know the true CFL start of the season is then. But you know, just coming up for me, I've got um, in a week. I'm going to go to Edmonton for the CFL Combine, which is different this year because they're going to do you know weeks worth of of football activity. It's not just testing, so that'll be fun. I'll go from there to the NFL draft. Uh, in April, and then the CFL draft. I'll be in Toronto uh, at the beginning of May. Um, you know, my son's got a seven-on-seven tournament in Vegas in the midst of all of that, so oh, I'll get to yeah. that. And uh, yes, yeah, so there's a lot of different things. I, I don't know that I kind of have that one day. It used to be New Year when I was a kid growing up. It was always New Year's Day because that's when all the big bowl games were. Yeah. But then, as the playoff has come and the playoff has taken the two big games to New Year's Eve, and it affects New Year's Day a little bit, it's probably um, less of a big day. But yeah, I mean, you know, probably those those different days over the calendar year where there, where you know there's going to be a bunch of big football games that have lined up. Uh, you know, championship Saturday, even in college football, where the, all the conference championships happen, uh, kind of on that weekend. So those are good times. The first two days of the NCAA tournament, right? The last two days that we've seen, there hasn't been as many upsets, but there were still two big ones on Thursday and two big ones on Friday. So and I don't have to cover those, so I can just kind of watch them as a fan. So that's fun too. But um, yeah, I would probably say any of the any of the big football days that line up, I think, are are a lot of fun. I know a lot of NFL fans have been excited about that first day of NFL free agency on the Wednesday, but um, I'm uh, I'm probably more about when things are happening on the field. Yeah, I like what you said there at the end. Is um, it, it's such a different perspective when you're enjoying something as a fan versus like working and kind yeah. of, obviously it's a passion and it, and it's it, it's something you love and we love, but uh, just the perspective of as a fan, like I, I know, like. Lucas, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same, like, especially oh, if yeah. you're in a work environment, of course, it's it's still the sport. You still love it, but just, uh, obviously it's just a different perspective. You also just have a different, yeah, you got a different lens on, right. When yeah. you're consuming the, consuming the game. Like yesterday I was watching a lot of the March Madness games and they, those were just, they're just awesome. Cause you're watching it for the pure chaos that yeah. they are. Right. Yeah. And the excitement. So. Yeah, yeah. For me, the only thing I haven't let go of in my fandom is probably college football. And even though I have to cover the playoff, like I'm a, you can see right here, I'm a, I'm a huge University of Washington fan. Yeah, uh, you know, since like my first college football game I watched was Ward Moon playing in the Rose Bowl. And so I, I've carried that through. So even though I do have to cover it a bit more now, um, you know, because the, the Huskies have only been in the final four once. And that was probably my most, I've, I've had two really conflicting moments where I haven't been able to separate fandom from coverage. Mm-hmm. Um Probably the Olympic gold medal game in 2010 and and the 2016 Peach Bowl when Washington played Alabama, right? Like I was sitting there in the in the press box, like every time a great play happened, like pounding my, my – without being able to cheer, like just kind of pounding the desk, good or bad, right? Uh, people kind of looking at me funny. But so I haven't let that part go. So I still get to watch that as a bit of a fan as much as possible. Oh, that's awesome, man. I've heard, I've heard such funny stories on, on that. And like, even so we, when we had Duffy on, he was talking about when he was covering uh, the world cup and when Canada yep. scored the goal, it was like all of them, like we're trying to like keep a cool. Uh, well, like I, I have video myself and Doug McClain, <laughs> right. And, and Joey Kenward, uh, who was a, a local play by play guy here. We were next to each other. Cause for the Olympics in 2010, I covered, um, all the sliding events like bobsled and luge and skeleton. I was part of that broadcast team. Yeah. So I was up in Whistler for the entire games, except they were done a game early or a day early. And I came back to, to help cover the gold medal game. So I was sitting in the stands, which was the auxiliary media box. And like the amount of tension in that building 
when the U.S. scored late to get the game into overtime, yeah. like you could you could truly feel the tension. It, you know, it felt like uh, Game Seven in overtime, Chicago Vancouver, right after yeah. Vancouver had blown the late lead. Like those are the only two games that kind of felt that way. And when the Canucks won, I felt a level of relief because I didn't want to have to go back and tell the they choked stories again, yeah. right? Um, so I wasn't cheering fandom. It was just a level of relief that, okay, we could continue on this playoff run and tell the story differently. But when Canada played the U.S. in that game and they scored the goal, like we were jumping up and down, literally hugging each other, right? Oh, wow. Like I've, I've got a picture or a video or something like that Joey just showed me of the three of us like literally embracing because, and I don't even know if it was cheering. It was just like, oh my God, thank God. Like it was just that kind of, um, like a giant exhale. Yeah, yeah just because yeah. it was so, you know, ready to, the entire country ready to fall apart in that minute if they had lost that game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Patrick Sharp with the shot against Luongo that Luongo comes across to make the save, you know, on the power play in overtime. It, like just all of it kind of built to that. So it was that. And then, and then like I said, the, the Peach Bowl for me were kind of my two moments. But, you know, like I have no problem. Like when the Canucks lost game seven, you know, I, I felt bad for the Twins and some of the guys I really liked on that team, but I had no yeah. problem switching my mind into coverage, right? There was no, ah, oh, you know, especially with the way that game went. And I, you know, so it's not about being a homer or a cheerleader or whatever. Like, you know, you develop a, you develop a skill over that period of time where you can, you know, switch from win or lose, switch storylines from good and bad. And it just, it's easy. But so those are my two kind of conflicted moments. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I feel like that's kind of always been a trend and and how I've talked to people is it's just that balance. And yeah, sometimes when you do it professionally, you've got to put that side away a little bit. And then of course you just get used to it. But, uh, yeah, Lucas, any, anything unless else? Unless it's the Leafs and the Jays, just yeah. for the record. Yeah. Unless it's the Leafs and the Jays, because uh, I can't want them to lose more than I possibly do. <laughs> Who, the Jays? The Who's Jays team too? Yeah, yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear more about that. The Jays. Well, what's wrong with the Jays? Who's your team? I want to hear this. The Mariners. I live in BC. Oh, I live in the team. Oh, I there you go. That's sense. right. That's Two right. and a half hour drive. I can That's go down right. there and watch it. Why do I have to fill my head with with the Jays? Because they're the only team in Canada. They're not no, my original team. They're not my closest team. So yeah, I I've never liked the Jays. You know, I think when I grew <laughs> up and I felt the need to pick a Canada's team, it was the Expos. Yeah, right, like in yeah. baseball. And then I had my regional team. And then when the Expos left, then I only had my regional team. And when people keep telling me that the Jays are Canada's team, I lose my mind. Like, I have <laughs> no time for that at all. And, you know, and, and with the Jays and the Leafs, like, just the amount of oxygen they take up, yeah. like, it, yeah. affects, it affects what I do, right? Like, we will – our budgets truly would get affected if the Leafs made a run to the Stanley Cup final. Like, there would be things I couldn't cover because of how much money gets spent on the Leafs. I, I remember one time – we had a producer, like, when the Leafs played, I guess it was the Islanders in the playoffs before they went on that epic, you know, no years in the playoffs. And they actually thought that in Vancouver we had – we were we cared. So Boston Pizza was having these Leaf watch parties. Like, they were having playoff watch parties. but In Vancouver? The played, well, they were having playoff watch parties. But then when the Leafs played, our producers said to me, oh, go cover them. Like, go to this Boston Pizza. We got a thing going on there. And when the, you know, because it's the Leafs game and certainly there was going to be a big party in Vancouver for the Leafs. Yeah, I'm still waiting. Right. <laughs> so we went there and there was literally like two people at the bar watching the game. Yeah. Right. But in, in Vancouver, we are in Toronto. They had this vision that everybody in Vancouver was all into it. Right. Like, and yeah, there are, you know, probably 
eight to 10,000 passionate leaf trans Toronto transplants that live here. Yeah. And they're the ones that all go to the games. But after that, it's, it's kind of not there. You probably have a bit more of it on the baseball side, but you know, like if the, if the Jays went on a run in, in baseball and got deep into the playoffs, that affects our CFL coverage, right? I don't want that. You know, um, I, I want to be able to cover the CFL and, and have it matter. I don't want us to be providing all of our resources to being on the road with the Blue Jays. That's not my thing. So, and that's not the only reason, but, and I don't mind the Raptors, right? I like, I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of, you know, I, I like the impact they've had on basketball in the country. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Leafs and Jays. <laughs> well, no, honestly, I, I like it, it. Keeps me in check sometimes, Farhan, because uh, I, I feel like talking to people from Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, like it's. Uh, I know the perspectives there. It's just for me, like yeah, just being centered in it. It's um, yeah, everything hey, from a business every- standpoint. Yeah, I'd make the same decision. Yeah, right. Like I don't disagree with how they're covered from a business standpoint, but being affected by it and being at the other end of it, you're just like get that away from. I me. know. So. Yeah. Uh, so who are, uh, who are the Leafs playing in the first round? Tampa, right? <laughs> Tampa. It'll be Tampa. Right. Yeah. I'm going to give John. We know who you're cheering for. <laughs> get him pumped up. Oh, yeah. Well, Farhan, the one thing you can hold on to is your boy Luke Shen is wearing the Maple Leaf this year. So there you go. Uh, you can yeah. be happy for that guy. <laughs> he's got two cups. He doesn't need another one. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, hey, he's, he's playing Tampa uh, this time around, the, the team he won. So, uh, yeah, Farhan, we uh, we really appreciate it. We, we're glad we got that perspective at the end because um, I feel like, yeah, Luke, a lot of our guests, whether it's been from, yeah, like Alberta or out in BC, like it's good to get that different perspective because I think just for both of us, we can get that leaf centric going a bit. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just our fandom, but um, yeah, Farhan, we, we, we really do appreciate it um, outside of, so yeah, we know you do the van cast, uh, the athletic, uh, a lot of TSN stuff, uh, CFL coming up. Uh, is there anything else yeah. you have coming up that the people might know, not know about? Uh, probably not. No, just, um, you know, I, I just, uh, love being able to travel again, post COVID and getting to a lot of these events and seeing history as it's being made. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, the combine is coming up next and, and looking forward to the NFL draft and, and getting CFL season started. All of it's fun. Yeah. Well, thank you awesome. so much. Farhan Lalji. Enjoy the Leafs playoffs. Run, run. <laughs> the game seven. Short, short as it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in in May we'll we'll be already reevaluating what's going to happen for trades. There you Maybe. go. We'll see. <laughs> but Farhan Lalji, <laughs> what a legendary guest! Episode twenty nine of the Hot Take Hockey Podcast. Farhan, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on to to chat hockey and sports. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Thanks a lot, Farhan. Bechter also had the same sort of energy when it comes to the Toronto media yeah, no Toronto. time for the Toronto market <laughs> I no I, I'm glad I kind of pushed back on that a little bit because like I kept it in his mind I was like no we got to talk about Toronto versus Vancouver <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I just I, I saw your face you, I, I think you loved it when <laughs> Farhan just opened it. it was like we didn't even like ask him a question we but didn't I, even I, ask so I love it I freaking love it because you could see like the genuine nature from people and honestly like Lucas I've talked about it I honestly don't blame people for having that perspective. Like I would yeah. put myself in those shoes and I would just be like, if we were Canucks fans or we were Flames fans or we were Oilers fans, we would be tired of it in a way. Like some Absolutely. people are more outspoken about it, but like uh-huh. we would be tired about over it. And I, and I truly think like you look, so even, um, so we had Sid on, like he's on breakfast television yeah. and like breakfast television, like obviously everyone in Canada knows about breakfast television. It's in Toronto. Like everything is out of Toronto. Right. So it's like, I can see the perspective where it does get frustrating. And obviously like, let's be honest, like it's a freaking like 
it's a rare day that the Leafs don't fall in the main hockey night in Canada Saturday night, right? Yeah. yeah like it's a storyline. Yeah. <laughs> so like even to, to the point where Ron on the pod is like saying, oh, well, Montreal, Ottawa coming up this Saturday. No Leafs for once. So we get to talk about yeah. something like even, even yeah. I feel like even the guys in Toronto sometimes are like, okay, this is all, especially if you're not a Leafs guy, like it's probably a lot. <laughs> I totally see how it could get, like how it gets exhausting. Just like having to hear about them all the time. And, yeah. you know, we, we have the goggles on. We certainly have just the goggles on where we, yeah. sometimes, like you said, it's good to hear from these people because you sort of get that check of, yeah. you know, what it's like to be on the other side of the coin. And yeah, yeah Spectre, Spectre was like that, like we said, and, and Farhan was as well. But Farhan, what a beauty, man. Oh, what a, what a legend. And I see, I feel like we haven't had this problem on the podcast where like, I feel like someone's putting on a front or anything, so I can't speak on it. But like, I feel like Farhan, like full out was like, you could tell, like he was just ready to share his opinions. And, and I think that's another guest that I can speak on that. I would have been down to talk with that guy for hours. Like just oh, yeah. shoot the shit, just get his thoughts. And so huge thank you to Farhan guys. Make sure you go follow him. I believe his Twitter is Farhan Lal GTSN. So go hit him up on Twitter. Uh, go share him some love feedback. Say, Give him a shout from Hot Take Hockey Podcast, Lucas and John, and just, uh, yeah, what a guy. I mean, uh, and I wasn't just saying that to pump his tires, by the way, guys. Like, uh, Farhan, like, he's been one of the names that, Lucas, when we've asked around, like, we were like, get Farhan Lalji on. Buddy, A-Rod's going to be hyped when, yeah. he, when he watches <laughs> this. Oh, yeah, man, he's such a Farhan guy. Uh, yeah. But, like, a lot of, like you said, a lot of our buddies that uh, we play hockey, soccer with, um, just yeah. buddies in general, they love they love some Farhan Lalji. So, yeah. they're, they're going to be stoked when they hear the epi, for sure. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, was there anything else that maybe you took from? Like, I, I definitely wanted to make sure. I mean, you got your Luke Shen jersey in the background. I wanted to make sure to yeah. get a little Luke Shen thoughts. Was there anything else you kind of pulled from the chat? Like, I, yeah, I feel like just this genuine nature. I feel like he wasn't. He's just giving us his thoughts. Like, I, I, I was really it. curious. Yeah, when he was talking about just like his uh, his career path, like the, right out of the gate, yeah. I was just really curious, like on how he, you know, sort of found his way into sport. Yeah, um, and so that was that was really cool for me when he was sort of uh you know football like it seems like he's just a, a sport junkie right for as a kid yeah. and i i i um you know i feel the same way in some regards where my earliest memories in life are just like like not not just earliest but my most vivid ones are yeah. like the road hockey game outside you know that when i was like eight years old like i remember getting all my buddy like knocking on people's doors and and th those sorts of memories like just don't leave your brain so it's cool when like you hear Farhan talk about it too. Like he was like organizing leagues. I mean, we were even talking about it this uh, this week about soccer. We run soccer every Sunday with a group of guys. Like, so I mean, we're still doing that. But uh, yeah. that that was cool. That was cool when he was touching on that stuff. What about you? Yeah, no, I I like and also I I don't know if this will change like long term, but I feel like right now when he was talking about like oh the Canucks lost Game Seven to the Bruins and I was just like all right let's move on and I feel like. I mean, I'm not going to speak for you fully, but Lucas, I feel like if that ever happened in our lifetime, like I'm not seeing the light of day for like a month. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> but you know what? I'll I'll push back in the sense, John, that like you got to realize that was what 2011. Yeah. So yeah. this is uh, what 13 years ago, 12 years ago now. Got my yeah. right math? Yeah. yeah. 12 years ago. Um. So like over time, you probably like you always think like, oh, what if, man? It was Game Seven. But they, they must have some really awesome memories, like not just not just the fans, but also yeah. Just it's so hard to say because we just haven't had that. <laughs> yeah, like like, like, we, like imagine, dude, I would take that this year. I mean, I would, I would be heartbroken, but like I'd absolutely take a run like that, and and yeah. and it would be heartbreaking. But over time, you you look back on it, it's like 
it's like how I look back on the the Jays a little bit with the their 2015. 2015 yeah, yeah, like that that holds such a special place in my heart. And they didn't even make the World Series. I mean, they lost in the ALCS, but like, and they were so close. But that that sort of thing, you know. Um, but he, yeah, you're right. He he didn't. It's not like he really expanded upon yeah that year or anything. Also, Maybe I was damn. I was super naive about the the. Man, that that's bad. Like that's honestly, I think that's bad yeah, on both our yeah. parts. But me too. Me I think too. That's I a Toronto centric naive moment because I just feel like the well, you know what? I'll also blame the Blue Jays for that. The Blue Jays, the Raptors too, but the Blue Jays have shut it down our throats like Canada's team, Canada's team, Canada's team. So like, just for me, I always forget like, and that's bad from a Seahawks fan. Here is like, I, I just. I always talk with my BC buddies. It's like, Frig, I got to reach for a Seahawks game and all these things. And I just was completely blank. Yeah, on the that's Mariners. bad on you. I'm sorry. That's bad on you. No, man, you were on that trade. You're like, no. what's, what's wrong with the Blue Jays? You had I no was. Idea. I You're was. Like, what's wrong? I was going to take all the soaking. And then I remembered you were a Seahawks fan. And now we have a 50-50 blame to share. That's what I'll say on that one, bro. Yeah. yeah, that was bad. Like, I fully was thinking, what? He just randomly likes the Red Sox or something? And then, you know what I mean? Like, that's. Troll me if you want, bro, in the comments. Troll no, me. In the comments. Yeah, that's no, that, that was, was brutal. That I that I didn't think about. No, that uh, was a Toronto-centric moment, and yeah. um, yeah, no, that is bad because he also mentioned that he takes his son to Seattle for uh for training or for track <laughs> stuff. But um, no, Farhan's absolute legend. I guess anything else we want to talk about? Like, so everyone watching, listening, uh, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Hot Take Hockey Podcast. Uh, we're gonna keep rolling out pods some stuff that's more news related and more guest related. I feel like this was more focused on Farhan because it's just yep. what a legendary guest. Uh, but just overall, is there any like hockey stuff? I, I know we can talk about the Canucks all day if we wanted, but uh, I guess flames looking more risky to make the playoffs Oilers uh, buzzing here and there. Like any, anything like, I guess Luke Shen I just mean, quickly. What were your thoughts on Luke Shen? No hall in the lineup and Riley's buzzing again. BC boy. Dude, everything <laughs> was clicking for you last night. What happened? Man, Riley's- I didn't even get to watch most of the game, man. This so Riley, all the I have to freaking <laughs> soak all these struggles and all this bull. And then yeah. I, I missed most of these last two games. And Riley has like so like again, I'm getting text last night. It's so like, man, your boy was buzzing. Like uh, he was buzzing, but Four just shots to, on that. Hello. Like what's just to give the viewers you? just to give the viewers some some more context. I mean, John, John and I were exchanging text messages this week. I'm just gonna soak it. And and I, I was giving him, I was giving it to him a little bit on, on Riley's play this year and stuff. And and now he bang bang, goal, goal. And and I was like, dude, he it'd be <laughs> awesome if he could score three this year at this rate. And now he's at four, like a couple <laughs> days later. So it's it's sick to see that, you know, hopefully just in time for playoffs. Better. Hopefully, just yeah, in hopefully, time. Hopefully. And you know what? I really a bright spot of last night for me was and and I actually didn't get to watch the whole game either. I was I was watching a bit of March Madness. I was hopping all over, but for for the Leafs game last night specifically, um a bright spot to me was was Gustafson. I thought he looked he looked really oh, good last especially night. Especially on that uh deflection on Aston Reese. Like that yeah. cut, like even Aston Reese was giving it a shout and I'm just like see if Gustafson can play that role and even like mixing the power play time, it's like that's so that's so big in playoffs. It's very it's just, valuable. And then and then obviously at the end of the day you just have the understanding that that guy cannot see the ice in the last three, four minutes. Yeah, like if, if you yeah, have that understanding yeah. and, and acknowledgement, then we're chilling. We're chilling. There was oh. one shift he had uh, with Nylander, and uh, he, I think Gustafson got the pass like right at the blue, like he was entering the blue. Oh, sorry, he, not to try. I just want to make sure yeah. last three, four minutes defensively, if they're up, not if, if they're down offensively. Yes, you know. sorry, yes, yes, going, yes. I, I, I got it. I got it. Yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah. If, they're, if, if they're if they're winning, you're holding a lead. You don't want that. You don't but, want them. Yeah. Go, keep, but keep anyways, he, he crossed the blue. He had the puck. He cut in left, and then Nylander kind of like did a crisscross with him and went on the yeah. right, and like. Just the way Nylander and him like played pitch and catch there, it was like this is this is that type of guy who like you're gonna see the most value Gustin's gonna bring 
is when he is 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 distributing the puck to to the skilled players of the Leafs. Yeah. Like that is that's Gustafson's bread and butter, man. So and if he can nail that role, I'm definitely seeing the Sandy yeah. trade in a better light. But I'll stand by my take and say I still think the Leafs don't have success. Which I mean, even if they have some success and don't like catch a cup, yeah. like. I think yeah. four years from now, we're going to be like, that's Sandy and trade. <laughs> we'll see. But, but you know whatever. what's funny? We, we were just talking about, so we go from Farhan and talking about the and Trump, we're now we're talking about the Leafs. We're now talking about the Leafs. So let's back out of there for a okay, second. Out of the Leafs. Calgary, Luke Shen. Calgary. Did Luke Shen look yeah. okay? Just last thing. Luke Shen looked yeah, okay last Luke night? Shen, Luke Shen looked good. He looked good. I mean, they use him. Shelton Keefe is, is being pretty um, careful with distributing yeah, I saw him right now and they got to work him saying, in, right? Yeah, I, I saw a couple tweets yeah. of saying like he's slow and he's like all this stuff, but just let him work it in. He like, is slow also. Like that is just, he's not the most fleet of foot. People got to yeah, yeah. understand yeah, that, right? Just gotta, yeah. But um, that, that's not his skill. But Cal, I want to talk about Western Conference. Done. Yeah, Flames. Uh, Calvary, is, it, is it done? Toast? Dude, I was, Seems I'm the guy. Yeah. I'm still the guy that says I will not... I can't give up on the flames until it's, I can't until I, this is worse than like when I was saying not to give up on the Canucks in December. No, but John, this is the thing, man. This is the thing. I've been beating their drum all year that I can't back down. Like I know how the math looks. I know the reality of them getting in ain't great, but I'm pretty sure their schedule is pretty weak. It, I'm, yeah, it is. It is. They have the Sharks a handful of times. I'm remembering at the top of my head. I think they got the Ducks another time. Yeah, so they have. So they have tough. They have like tough games and then like easy games ish. Like they easy, got the Kings a couple so times. They have. Yeah, they have Kings a couple times. Stars, Golden Knights. But then like outside of that, they have Ducks, Sharks, Canucks, Blackhawks, Ducks again, Canucks yeah. again, Sharks again. Like, like, dude, if they go and win, like. You know, so let's say you just wrap. Yeah, just I shouldn't shut like, you. Honestly, looking at that schedule, I shouldn't shut you down that quickly. You named off like, like, like what seven or eight games there against weak opponents. Like if they can, if they can get like 85 percent of those points, like when you know, I know it's asking a lot for how they played this year, but if they can do that, they're right there, and and they're going to knock out if they do get in. Uh, I guess it's going to be either Winnipeg, yeah, Winnipeg at this. Yeah, point. my crack and take might far. be a little stinky because it's just like man, the Flames have been so underwhelming. Like it's yeah. crazy. Like. So the Kraken have kind of been what I've expected at this point. So the, I'll say mm-hmm. that. But I think why my take looks so stinky now is because the Flames have been so like, like what is going on? Like the Flames right now, as bad as they've been, they're only uh, eight points ba- or se- seven points back of the Kraken, which yeah. is a lot at this point in the season. Seven points is a lot. But considering how bad the Flames have been at times, like it should not be that close. Like they're only three points back as we record of the Jets. Like that is nuts, man. And I feel it's like- yeah, so uh, to me, yeah, it, if the Kraken don't falter, if the Kraken make it, I mean, it's at the point where it's between Flames, Jets, and May- I, I want to give them Nashville. a fair shout. Preds, yeah, I was about to say, I want to give them a fair yeah. shout because the Preds are right there with games in hand. Uh, I think on paper, we'd probably give them a step back, but in terms of standing position, they have three games at hand on the Flames and only one less point. So the Preds need a fair shout. Because- and three games at hand on the Jets, uh, four points back, like... If if Nashville wins their games in hand, I know like again, it's not an assumption. You got to win your games in hand. Yeah. But if they're to able, if they're able to win those games in hand, like they're in, they're actually in. They have the best. Like, if they were to win those games, they leapfrog Winnipeg, right? Yeah. Um, well, which let's is just look crazy. at it right now. So as yeah. we record, which is funny enough. So as you as you guys are watching or listening, uh, you'll know the result. Uh, Preds Jets play as we speak right now, Lucas. Um, but the thing is, and you kind of just spoke on it, like the schedule for the Flames, the Preds have a brutal schedule, man. Like absolutely brutal. I actually looked at this a couple of weeks ago and like they've won a couple games, uh, but then they just lost the Blackhawks. So I was like, Oof. 
They just lost the Hawks, but look at this schedule, man. The Preds play the Rangers, Sabres, uh, Kraken t- uh, twice. They play the Leafs, Bruins, Penguins, Blues, Stars, Golden Ugh. Knights, Hurricanes, Jets, Flames, Wild, Avalanche. I don't think I listed one did bottom you just 10 name, team there. Did you just name all the top 10 teams in the league, basically? Yeah, bro. Like, like, what? They don't have one. Like, I, I don't... Like, the only team I think that's in the bottom 10 that I just listed is the Blues. Yeah. Every other team. Like, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, I, to me, I don't want to dismiss them because, like, percentage-wise, they actually have the better shot of making it. But that schedule, man, compared to what I just said with the Flames, if the Flames miss the playoffs and the Preds make it, the Flames should be completely embarrassed. Like, that's... And that's not no shot against the Preds at all. That's just... Yeah. The schedule. I just listed it off for you guys. So, um... Yeah, and those are big games, man. Talk about like the Preds playing the Kraken in back-to-back games, and the, they're playing the That's Jets. Crazy, like those could be, and like some of these games too. Like the fact that the Preds play in like in three of their last four games, they play the Jets, Flames, and Wild. Like those could all be big playoff implication games. Even even them playing the Rangers, you said I think on there, and like some of the East team, or the Penguins. You said the Penguins. Well, yeah, they like, play Rangers, the, Penguins. They play. Yeah, uh, those are Leafs. teams. Though, those are teams fighting for their, I mean, the Penguins fighting for their life yeah, in the yeah. playoff Penguins and, and sure. the Ra- the Rangers looking for, you Seeding. know, making sure they don't, they don't fall in the Eastern conference and fall in their division. So yeah. they're all teams that are desperate too. That's, that's the scary part for Nashville. hundred percent. So uh, honestly, at the very least, I, I want, uh, I'm not, I'm not rooting for the Kraken to miss. I'm not rooting for the Oilers to miss because I actually want both those teams to make it, but I'd be so down for like a five team race for like the last three, four spots right towards the yeah. end. Like, give me that. Because the East, man, I feel like there's still the race there, but I don't know. Like the Sens, they'll lose a game here, and then the Sabers just freaking lost uh, to the Flyers. Like, I, I to me, the Sabers are the weirdest team I've ever seen in my life. Like they 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 beat two good teams, like two really good teams, and then they lose to the Flyers. Like, what is that? that Why do the, the Sabers always do this, man? They always do this. People get they, on the wagon, yeah, man, and they, then they, look they, what happens. Like, well, the Sens too, right now, right? Like yeah, they brought yeah. in Chikrin, and Sens fans yeah. were ready to freaking go on this run. And uh, as we're recording, we're going to be watching Battle of Ontario Leafs since tonight. So uh, we'll see what Let's happens. Go. Anything Let's else go. Is, yeah. Anything else as we wrap up, Lucas? Because, yeah, I, I honestly, as we record, I just want to be able to come on this podcast every week and be like, yeah. damn, we have a crazy race. Like, this is going to be a crazy finish. Yeah. And, yeah. and I want to stream for like, I know I do Leaf streams here and there. Uh, I know I do other streams, but like, I specifically want to have like three or four streams like scheduled that it's like Calgary versus uh Winnipeg right at the, or I think Calgary versus Nashville is what I said but Winnipeg yeah. versus Nashville like some of those games that will have big playoff implications like I'll be psyched to watch and cover but uh anything else on your perspective uh I saw you made a video on it go check out Johnny's video on uh the Bennington news and the suspension and all that bro I mean <laughs> buddy the biggest thing is we were robbed of the fight okay that is, that is yeah we can go over thing. everything and I know, I know, you'll all have, all. I know you'll have <laughs> but, but dude, we were robbed of that robbed, fight. So robbed. robbed. So I love Mark Andre Fleury too. I respect him hard for going down there. I think it would have been so rock star to see those two guys go at it. If there's Sucks one thing that- I would ever want to ask either of those guys at this point, like obviously yeah. like the cops from both those guys and the playoff experiences, but now I just want to like get in both those guys' heads and just be like bitter. Like, were you down? Like, were you ready? And same thing with Flower. Like the mic'd up, like. Oh my gosh, man! Like we, missed. I wish they had bitter mic'd up, man. We got robbed. Yeah. Got robbed. We well, no. The there. great thing about it, man, is if they fought, you would have heard bitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they would have oh. been right in their face. You would have, man. We got robbed, man. Like I, I honestly, I didn't rant enough, man. I still, no, we got robbed. Like, like that's horrendous. No reason. I just don't understand why not. 
Like if you think about it too, everybody, I was talking, I was talking to my brother about this, but like everybody that is a binner like supporter or a blue supporter and everyone who very much dislikes Jordan Bennington, everybody wanted this fight. Both sides wanted it, right? Like there's not one hockey fan that didn't want this. That's why it sucked. But overall, I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> and, I, and I do think, I think, <laughs> I think Binner, obviously Binner has been criticized for some of the things just in the blues rough season this year. But yeah. I think he was just obviously, if that did end up happening, I think he was just at disadvantage because like you're facing off against like one of the beloved goalies of the league too. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah, Flurry has a pretty good track record for just like love. Like everybody loves Flurry. Yeah. Right? Everyone like, loves Flower. Yeah um yeah man honestly yeah. good chats uh i yeah i'm glad you mixed in that thoughts there because I, I i was i was gonna text you but i was like oh i don't know if this guy's fired up or what's going on here i was fired up bro i was so <laughs> fired up man oh dude uh, down bad a little down bad but, uh, uh yeah, yeah honestly great pod farhan lalji great chats and uh freaking how ironic man we we're just we we just fed into the stereotype talking to farhan lalji for a good 40 minutes and then just following it up with some leaf chat yeah, but what a we, joke we are. We got out of it pretty quick. I gotta say, we gotta put our pat on the back. We got out of that yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, we know? did. Uh, so thank you to everyone that listens on Spotify, Apple, the Hot Take Hockey Podcast. Rate it well. Give us some good shouts. Give us some reviews. Shoot us a message on social media. All of that helps. Always drop a like. Uh, share the the pod. Uh, YouTube. Thank you to everyone that watches. Uh, and just yeah, huge appreciation. I know I took a little bit of a break there. Just. Uh, rejuvenate just refresh after the deadline week because that was freaking psychotic that was yeah nice. man um so thank you to everyone for on lodging huge shout go share him some love on all the things he's got going on and lucas thank you so much for uh joining me as usual uh lucas myself john we're buzzing and uh more podcast episodes to come and we'll see you all soon episode 29 30 coming up peace, peace.